Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 45 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should totally still watch it. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Hunter x Hunter with the introduction of the Phantom Troop. Oh yeah, they're they're really talented. Um, they were all all hired after they got fired from Cirque du Soleil inside of Las Vegas. Um, one of them uh, killed a guy, and then the other one also killed a guy. And you see where I'm going here. There's metaphors. We'll talk about it later. You're saying that the Phantom Troop is two dudes from Cirque du Soleil, and one of them is a murderer. Yes, let's jump in. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, so, welcome back, uh, Blake, who's been on uh, vacation for a week back in Tennessee. Um, I was getting very upset by that fucking live-action Mob Psycho 100. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't. So I I haven't listened to your episode yet. But uh, what I learned from the episode being posted was that Mob Psycho 100 on Netflix was not just the anime, which I was yeah. super fucking thrilled for. And now I am more than disappointed. Like I yeah. was disappointed that I didn't have access to the anime on a streaming service already and then i thought i was getting it and now i'm even more disappointed than i was it just, in my baseline it's form. so god man it makes me so frustrated it's like it's it's just such a crappy crappy live adaptation of it and also like one of the thing that gets is it, me the is it most, a movie and the pe- or a show no it is a show and it is not good oh. and one of the things that gets me the most about it too is that it's it, it's it's another live action thing that's done on Netflix of an anime that is not good. And it's like, can I get one? Just can I, can I just have one, please? There are so many good anime and there are so many anime that can be adapted. Well, death notes, a good example. It, It wasn't adapted well, but it's a good example of one that could be full metal alchemist. Also a good example um, Man, those wigs in Full Metal Alchemist are the fucking worst. Now, I've heard that the Full Metal Alchemist adaptation is actually not that bad, um, or at least has some really cool or redeeming parts. I haven't watched it myself. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand why it's so difficult. It's kind of like video game movies. But with video game movies, it makes sense t- in a certain way, because video games are meant to be an interactive experience. So turning them into a narrative experience is a little bit different. And also a lot of video game protagonists are sort of blank slates or sort of personality less um, because they have to be open to the player taking control and feeling like they are able to guide that character in those choices. So it's hard to Mm -hmm. adapt a video game movie with the video game protagonist because the video game protagonist is a little bit of a blank slate in most scenarios. But like with anime, it, it doesn't have those drawbacks. It's really just a difference in style, but like anime and manga, they're already visual mediums. So like we should be able to adapt anime and manga about as effectively to live action as we adapt comic books. And um, I mean, I was just reading an article today saying that the upcoming Cloak and Dagger series is supposed to be very good. Runaways is good. Marvel's shows on Netflix are very good. The DC mm. shows 
have redeeming qualities to them. <laughs> like, okay, man, the 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 DC shows. Okay, so here's the thing about the DC shows. So, I think that DC does one thing on their television shows very well, and they do it so much, so often that it becomes obnoxious. Which is they have like these wide, like the wide swinging shots where like the superhero is doing something like really cool in the moment, uh-huh. but they do it every episode of every show that they do. Yeah. I tried to watch like Legends of Tomorrow, and I was just like, Ugh, stop! I stop see, doing I, this. I just watched one episode of that with Danny. Shout out to Danny. Hey, Danny. Um, I just watched one or two episodes of that because they have Constantine in them, and she's obsessed with him. And uh, I loved it, and I want to watch way more. Um, although I've heard that the first season is a little bad, but that like in yeah. season two it figures it out. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones Arrow, we watched were from season four, and it was great. Like Arrow is supposed to be another one that's supposed to be pretty good, but the biggest problem that I have so I have with that show is that it's yeah, it's super super boring, and they kill off like the best villain, which is the guy I can never remember his name. Um, he's also in, uh, Torchwood and Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, oh man, what is his name? I can't remember. Captain John um, Harkness. Yeah. And he's in there and he's a great villain and they just do away with him. And I was like, okay, fucking whatever. And then Smallville was like good for an origin story for a minute. And then it sort of jumps the shark. Smallville and then it does it like so long ago though. Like, I don't even know if that really counts. Yeah. And then the Marvel shows, I have not watched a single terrible marvel show yet for but the you television shows haven't watched iron fist i have watched iron fist i am of a differing opinion than everybody else on iron fist wow that's surprising i would have expected you to be more vocally anti based on okay. the reviews that i've heard so here's the thing about iron fist and take it or leave it if you haven't seen the show yet uh y- you can you can kind of skip this one if you want to but it has, it has like three really, really solid actors in it. The problem is that neither one of them is the lead character. <laughs> like, yeah, none of the three of them are the lead characters. The like the best three actors in the show are two of them are villains, um, and one of them is like a, a like a supporting cast member that you you don't get to see very often inside of the Colleen show. Wing. And he, huh? Colleen Wing. No, not Colleen Wing. She's the only character that I know of that's in that show, except for Danny Rand, because I haven't gotten that far Col- yet. Danny Rand is meh. Colleen Wing is also meh. Also, like Danny Rand's love interest, white girl, is also meh. Um, you'll see. I'll get there eventually. But anyway, the point is, it's not that hard. I mean, Iron Fist isn't considered to be very good. You know, opinions are mixed on the DC shows. Opinions are less mixed on the Marvel shows that aren't Iron Fist or the Defenders. But, like, Mm -hmm. overall, even those are fairly competent adaptations. Like, my major problems with, like, Arrow are that it's a little bit too much of a procedural show. And I'm not, like, super into those personally. Um, but like the flash is the same way. It just has a different feel to it. And I really like the flash, even though it has some objective noticeable faults. Like the acting is kind of 
wooden um, and the storytelling can be heavy handed, but it's still fun and I enjoy it. And like Legends of Tomorrow seems the same. I don't know about Supergirl, but like the point is like these are all comic book adaptations and they bring down the bombasticness of the comics fairly significantly, but they also lean into it a lot of the time. And it's like Mm. anime is really bombastic and sometimes makes American comics look very tame by, by comparison, but like you can do an adaptation fairly well. And it's really surprising that we have a lot of fans of anime, many of whom write, um, fan fiction or fiction or screenplays and have those kind of skills. And yet over and over again, we get these like really bad adaptations of anime that have nothing to do with like the special effects, not living up to the story and everything to do with the story being handled terribly. That's really frustrating. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this some other time. Yeah. The thing I'm going to leave people with today is that like, if you want to write into us and tell me about a live action anime show or movie that doesn't suck, but I am totally down for it, but I have tried a bunch of them. I, I really try to give them the benefit of the doubt because what I wanted when I was younger more than anything else in the whole wide world is for a good adaptation of Cowboy Bebop to happen or a good adaptation of uh, Trigon to happen. And then I thought I had finally, finally had like a chance to see an amazing anime style movie. And I was like, it's going to fucking happen. You have this director who hasn't really shit the bed yet. Maybe he's going to do something I said about M. Night Shyamalan. And then he just (laughs) fucked me. Like, (laughs) yeah, what a mess, man. That's another show that that guy is very hard to mess up because the source material is so good. But this yet another mysterious mystery of adaptation. I don't get it, but it's so ubiquitous. Um, So if you guys have some sort of uh, alternative where an anime or a manga was adapted, adapted particularly well in film or television form i second spencer's call to action like let us know that'd be really interesting to find out about because i i don't know of one off the top of my head maybe Mm -hmm. opinions might vary on uh the ghost in the shell uh american adaptation with uh scarlett johansson i heard that it was decent at parts but uh, i haven't seen it myself i don't know what do you guys think let us know um, cool. Do you want to Anyways, cover these episodes? Uh, yeah, sure. So we're going to go ahead and get into Hunter x Hunter's episodes for this week. Um, we're doing uh, so, 39 through 42 today, so we got four total. Yeah, they're they're actually super, super sweet this week. Um, yeah, good. Every single Every single episode has a lot of movement inside of it, a lot of fun inside of it, and it, it makes me very happy to return to something that, like, Every episode gives me something sweet instead of Naruto, which is sort of just, you know, coasting at this point. Yeah, Naruto's like every episode gives you like a little tidbit, but like you could jam two to four episodes together to get one good episode. With these, they're all jam-packed of good stuff. Yeah. So, previously on Hunter x Hunter. We have our main protagonist is Gon, who's a plucky little 12-year-old guy who wears green jumpsuit kind of thing and has like a fishing pole and he's awesome 
He has a best friend named Killua, who is also about 12 years old. He grew up in a family of assassins, so he's a little bit more of the strong, silent type, but also a child. Um, they made friends with two other characters during something called the Hunter Exam. Uh, those two other characters are Leorio, who is a vaguely talentless um, older teenager who is hoping to become a doctor, and Karapika, who is a member of a clan that has uh, been wiped out except for him, as far as we know. Um, mm -hmm. That clan was wiped out because of their eyes, which are prized for their beauty in a really fucked up way, because when they become super angered or um, emotional, their eyes glow red. And then, like, if you kill them while their eyes are red, the eyes stay red. So people would make them pissed off and then kill them to take their red eyes as, like, collector's objects. Karapika's the only one thinking left, that this he's is got a super big fucking up, chip on his is. shoulder. It is yeah. super fucked up. It is all the way fucked up. Uh, so those yeah. are our, our main protagonist players. Um, the hunter exam is important. It's what the hunter in the name is kind of talking about. It's basically a title. You go through a very, very physically challenging um, exam that is life-threatening in order to become a hunter. There's also a secret exam where you learn essentially magical skills um, after the main exam to become a full-fledged hunter. All of our protagonists with an asterisk next to Leorio's name have learned this magic ability called Nen, which allows them to do super cool anime things. Um, mm -hmm. the there's also villains. They're known as the Phantom Troop. They are a group of, what is it, 13 different thieves? Yeah. Um, they are pretty unknown to us. We're going to see them for the first time this episode, with the exception of two characters that we've seen before. Um, up until now, we haven't seen any of them beyond those two. And uh, the first one of those two we didn't know was part of the Phantom Troop. His name is Hisoka. He is our creepy clown guy that we have had as a villain for pretty much the entire series. The other one is a fairly minor character who did some um, surgical sewing on Hisoka to get his arm reattached a couple mm -hmm. episodes ago. Um, the rest of them are new to us as of now. They are known as a particularly dangerous sort of mercenary thief group. And um, they are particularly known to Karapika because they are responsible for the final push that eradicated his clan. So he has a grudge against them and his sort of whole purpose in life is to get back at them. Um, last yeah. little bit of housekeeping is that there's a giant um, auction that's about to take place in a city called York New City, which I don't know where they got that name. It seems to be based off of nothing important or related to our world at all. Um, but in this city, there's going to be this huge auction and um, all four of our protagonists, as well as all 13 of the Phantom Troop members, are converging on the city because of this auction. And that's pretty much where we pick up at the beginning of the Phantom Troop arc. Yep. So we're going to go ahead and kick off with episode 39, Wish X and X Promise. Um, we are so finally in the Phantom Troop arc. Uh, my personal favorite arc of uh, Hunter x Hunter um, Blake, I think, likes the um, the video game part better. Um, we'll get more into Greed Island um, after this one. Yep. Um, but this one is my favorite by far. 
Yeah, and the the Greed Island thing is actually being set up in this arc and even beforehand. Um, Gon mm-hmm. and Killua decide to come to York New City, not only because of the promise they made to their friends to um, meet up here at this time, but also because they discover that several copies of Greed Island are being auctioned at the underground auction, and they want to see if they can get one. Um, so yeah. it's really... I like that sort of Claremontian long game that they're playing in this section. Um, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we are going to pick up with Kurapika. Um, basically, this episode, the first like five or ten epi- minutes of this episode are a recap of exactly what happened in the last episode. I it's actually had a moment last, when I... They've like shown us bits and pieces of this over the last couple of episodes and then they just jam mm-hmm. them all together and show it to us again as a single yeah I, I had a moment today where i started watching this episode again and i was like wait a minute wait am i watching the right episode yeah and i was like oh yeah i'm watching the right episode it's just they're doing a really long recap and yeah. i was like what did you eat your naruto wheaties this morning or something? <laughs> <laughs> um they uh they um they recap look out it's talk no jutsu <laughs> They recap up until the moment that they don't, which is to say they're going to basically show you unedited footage that they have already shown you before. That's just the section of Karapika's story that's been going parallel to what Gon and Killua have been up to. Um, It's just a few minutes worth of plot, but all of a sudden you will get up to the end of what they had shown you. And then there's a little bit of new information. So if you're watching this at home... Feel free to skip over the first couple of minutes, but be wary that um, you can't just blindly skip over everything mm-hmm. that involves Karapika and his like sensei or whatever, and mm-hmm. because some of that's new information. Um, the yeah. first bit of new information that we get is um, Karapika determining his aura type. So, mm-hmm. um, so like I said, um, in in this in, in most anime you're going to get some form of magic system to aid in them doing cool shit while they fight the one in this show is nen which we mentioned earlier nen has basically a hexagon of different types of abilities so it just tells you like what way that your nen is going to be more inclined to manifest um so we've learned about a couple of other characters we're going to learn that karapika is a conjurer which means that he is um, most adept at um, essentially conjuring items out of thin air using his aura. Um, Karapika specifically is curious about the other types, and he wants to know um, he wants to know specifically about chains. He wants to like enhance chains or something like that, and his sensei is like, you know. You're a conjurer, so if you were to do that, you would basically be wasting your potential because it's not what you're specialized in. And they kind of get into a, a weird altercation about it. Um, but essentially, they talk a little bit about what type he is, and um, the guy that's teaching Karapika is like, you need to lean into your types to achieve your full potential and not worry about like what you thought you might want to do that you're not actually set up for. Yeah, Karapika is going to learn from this. Uh, we have a little bit of training stuff, and then uh, he's going to go back to find out um, how he can get closer to this auction. And um, he's going to 
he's going to try to figure out where the Phantom Troop is going to be. Um, so he goes to get information from this, uh, this woman that's like, a, I guess she's like a, she's like a, uh, she's, she's like a hunter, a hunter. agency. Yeah, she's, she's probably a hunter, but I, I think that she's also just kind of like a guidepost for hunters. Um, she like points people in the right to like a, like a connector, you know? Like if you pay her a million dollars, you can meet up with you know uh, the president of the United States. Yeah. She's basically the Michael uh, Cohen of the Hunters world. I see where you're going with this. Uh, <laughs> so you know what? Sure, of course, that's exactly what she is. Uh, so he he returns to her. And he's like, "Hey, I want to get a a position involved with the York New auction." And basically, they're able to narrow it down to a couple of people who are seeking bodyguards. And it's like, there's a lot of people looking for bodyguards, but Karapika hasn't had any work. So um, they narrow it down to just three people that are looking for bodyguards that don't necessarily have to have any um, experience on their resume. And she lists off who they are. And one of them is a flesh collector. And that catches Karapika's attention because of the aforementioned eyeball issue with his deceased clansmen. So he wants to work for that dude. Um, So uh, once he gets the information for that person, he knows where to go for the job listing. Um, We're going to see him cross by this character that we'll learn about a little bit more in this episode. Her name is Melody. She is one of the most strangely designed characters in an anime that's still like a humanoid. So she is a woman. She's very short and squat. She is bald on top of her head. So she looks a little bit like doc Brown (laughs) and um, has like long gray hair coming down, starting around where the top of her ears is and going around her head. um, But nothing on the top. She has, like, sort of rat-like features on her face. She has large eyes, a small nose, and then buck teeth. She's just... uh, Her visual is a little off-putting, but it actually has a reason, and we're going to discover it in one of the episodes we're covering today. Yeah, Um, it's really... It's actually kind of upsetting when you find out that, like, what she's gone through. Yeah, Um, and I had forgotten about that when we were watching, mm -hmm. when, like, I started watching it, and I was like, why is she designed this way? And then they answered that question, and I was like, now I feel bad. Yeah. Um, Then there is also a moment inside of this episode where you're going to meet a whole bunch of the different characters that are also vying for attention Um, inside of this. There's, there's like, a bunch of interviews that are about to happen um, with these, not interviews, but, um, a bunch of cutaways that are going to happen with these yeah, different It's like a characters. montage of introductions. Yeah. One of them is with this girl who has the ability to like, whoever she kisses becomes like her slave. And also she steps on their faces a lot. I don't yeah. know why she's um, been doing this, but that's her, her ability thing. is she called instant it. lover. And every time she kisses someone, there's like a disembodied voice going like instant lover. And it's really <laughs> funny. And yeah, she, she steps on their face. It's definitely playing into tropes of like, uh, dominatrix and stuff like that. Even she's not dressed like a dominatrix or anything, but like her stepping on them and then being super into it is very, very much like winking at that kind of thing. Um, but essentially she, she basically like makes them her like perfect slaves and 
so like she kisses this this guy that's like leading a group of thugs that are trying to attack her and her client and so he then he's like willing to serve her and she steps on him and she's like beat these guys up and then he does and that's that's kind of her deal um yeah. then we have this other guy who uh his only power is his fucking dope mustache um yeah. <laughs> His like his mustache just like goes from his upper lip in perfectly into his sideburns into his hair. It's he also like, has uh, a different power that's cool, but not as cool <laughs> as his mustache. Nah, fuck that. He only has this dope mustache. That's his one power. Um, right. He he also just like punches some guys that are after him, and he's like, "I didn't even have to use my nin. Fuck you!" And then he's like, <laughs> "Jump off the roof of this building!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then so, there's a guy who's like look at all my dogs let me yeah, talk to my dogs <laughs> who's obviously the coolest character because of the dogs um yeah obviously so these guys all coalesce into a job interview there's one other dude he's not a part of the montage um and i i guess we'll kind of find out why in a second but they're gonna show up so we got karapika we've got melody we've got sideburns we've got instant lover we've got dog friend and we've got other guy and they're all at the job interview. Um, and basically they're like, hey, you get a scavenger hunt and you need to find these items. And one of the items is Kurta eyes. And Karapika gets like super tense and angry every time this gets brought up, which it happens like three times an episode here for a little while. So it's like, okay, I get it, man. Like, I understand that this is some trauma, but like we're seeing this too much. But uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of important because Melody, as we are starting to learn, has the ability to... She basically has super perfect hearing. She's like she's like daredevil levels of hearing. She can really tell whether or not you're lying, and she can tell things about you by listening to your heart rate. Um, so she can tell that some shit's going down with Karapika, but she hasn't figured out what exactly yet. Um, but anyway, Karapika, he decide, determine, he's determined to pass and get the job as the skin collector's uh, bodyguard, because that way, the, basically, he is under the impre- or assumption that uh, skin collectors will all kind of talk to each other. So he wants to infiltrate through this bodyguard position, learn who all these skin collectors are that might have been um, contributing to a market for the eyes of his people, and then eradicate them as a sort mm-hmm. of long con of vengeance. Um so that's his game. And then basically the employer is like, Hey, so um, you guys need to pass. Uh, you need to bring us some of these things um, that our skin collector employer is looking out for. And if you do that, you get the job. But also the other part of the interview is you have to escape here alive, which is the most anime dun, dun, fucking dun. thing. You know, I mean, in only in anime, do you go to a job interview that, part of it is you have to get out alive. Yeah. So, so we're going to jump into we episode we're going to jump into episode 40 um Nen X users X unite question mark. Question mark? Um so there is uh, a pretty sweet fight scene uh, that happens um you get to um you get to see a couple of things happen in like pretty quick succession. Yeah, the fight uh, scene's like 30 first. seconds and it's great but it's so short. Yeah, so first things first, there's a bunch of, like, I think it's uh, nine different, like, hooded 
um, guys in black, uh, six with swords and three with guns, appear. And they are going to start shooting at Kurapika and the other Nen users. Um, so Kurapika is catching bullets with chains, which is super sweet. Yeah. Um, the girl who uses instant lover pulls the butler in the way of the shots and just yeah. lets him get shot in front of her. The other well, I two, think she uses instant lover and then he throws himself in front of her, which no, I she like definitely pulls him in the way. <laughs> well, either way, he is dead. <laughs> yeah, super dead. Um, and then uh, the other guys are basically just watching uh, Kurapika catch bullets. And then going to fight against these guys just a little bit. Kurapika, like, jumps up to, like, the second floor. And then there's, like, a couple of other guys running at him with swords. So he, like, jumps back and lands on a chandelier. And then he notices something. He's like, why are these people trying to attack me still and just wildly swinging the swords over the ledge where he's jumped away from them? It looks like they're almost, like, completely mindless. And then he looks down, surveys the scene... And then we have that thing that they do in Hunter x Hunter where they they figure out who the baddie is, so they explain it, and then they explain it, and then they explain it a little bit too much. Yeah, where, like, this Karapika's episode is basically just, like, just them explaining it. <laughs> yeah, so Karapika's like, okay, so you're the one that was using Nin to create dolls in order to for them to attack us, and you're yeah, using Nin to make, This like, is the guy who did not get an introduction in the last episode. Correct. He was a mole. So he he's he's a mole. We find that out, and then we're told and like Karapika there's another to, like he manifests his chain using his nan. It's not like a real chain. It's like a it's like a, something that he conjures. Don't know that yet? I don't think. No, he shows it to us. He and shows that he's conjuring the nan. Yeah, chain? it's it just comes out of nowhere. I mean, he does it in front. I mean, it's the yeah, first time. I he's... thought that. Hold on, I thought that that was one of the things that he did was he could make his he could make his chains invisible. Do we not know about that part yet? That hasn't happened yet. Oh shit! I gave away some stuff. Sorry, guys. Um, well, anyways, you know, so... I mean, they're listening to a spoiler podcast. So anyway, uh, Karapika, <laughs> he his chain has like divining powers, and it's kind of unclear, but he sort of uses it to test whether people are lying by holding his chain up to them. And so it, they're either lying waves. or they they have water. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. And the the dude who did not get an introduction, he's got some water. He's got water. <laughs> anyway, so, um, so also, I thought it was interesting. Karapika's like, "Hey, there's a traitor in our, our, our there's." So they discovered that the dude who didn't get an introduction was an imposter, and Karapika's like, "Hey, there's another imposter here." And everybody else just goes along with it. And I'm like, they're going along with this based off of Karapka doing his chain dousing thing. And then also because Melody backs him up. But, like, they are all strangers to each other. And, like, it it surprises me that they have been double-crossed and they're going to side with Karapka. I guess they just sort of get a generic agreement with him because he's he has demonstrated that he's capable and in the land of anime that is all the calling card you need but it it caught me as a little odd that like they're being lied to and then one of the strangers who might also be an imposter is like there's another imposter and they're like this guy knows what's up (laughs) yeah so they he divines that somebody else is lying. It turns out to be the dog guy. The dog guy convinces everybody else that, no, it couldn't possibly be me. So then in, instead of us, like, 
just figuring out what's happening inside of this episode and just moving on to the next thing. Instead, they're like, no, no, no. We have to show you that somebody else has a cool power. Uh-huh. It's this guy that can write haikus and it's make mustache things man. happen. Yeah, when he puts when he puts his power into the haiku that he's written, the thing comes true. Which this the first thing that he shows is like whenever I I wrote a he wrote a haiku about like if he punches things, it's gonna burst into flames. And then yeah. the next one he is he does also is about flames, where it's just like if somebody lies to me, they're gonna burst into flames. And then he goes around the circle and he asks people to tell the truth. And then he gets to this guy and dog's got dog guys like, you got me. I don't want to be on fire. End yeah. Of episode. It's kind of a cool power. <laughs> no. So, um, there's also, um, instant lover. I, ha- I have her listed as dubious consent girl because she kisses people to force them to be her involuntary slaves. So that's, uh, awkward and probably not okay. Don't do that. Everyone. So yeah. dubious consent girl um, kisses the dog guy's name is Squala. Um, so Squala he he reveals that he had his whole power is that he trains dogs, I guess, mm-hmm. and he has trained these dogs to attack them as they try to make their escape. Um, I think that this makes him probably not that bad of a guy because dogs are the best. But uh, she gets him to call off the dogs. And um, we also find out that the haiku guy with the mustache, his name's Basho, and the dubious consent girl with instant lover, her name is Bez, Bez, and that's a very vulgar word in French, so don't go throw that around, you guys. Yeah. Anyways, we're at the end of this episode. We're going into episode 41 of Hunter x Hunter, Gathering X of X Heroes. Um, so we are going to finally be brought back to, uh, away from the Karapika show and back to Gon and Killua, who are uh, trying to track down Greed Island. Um, Killua has a new sweet outfit on, um, and they're riding on a boat tra- heading to York, New City. Um, meanwhile, Killua's brother is, uh, is being a troll inside of a basement still. Yeah, he's the worst. Um, so we're going to find out uh, that there is a hunters only website. Um, Gone and Killua go to like an internet cafe in, uh, um, in order to access this website, they have to pay for information on greed Island and the internet cafe or sorry, the, um, the, the hunter website has like Nen in it. Nen is so like whatever use the narrative needs, but I don't care at all. It, they, they sell it well enough that I am never. I never have a problem with it. So um, basically, if you were tr- if you somehow gained access to the Hunter website, but you don't know how to use Nen, you're not going to get anything out of it. But since these guys know how to use Nen, they are essentially brought into almost a virtual reality, uh, um, and they interact with somebody who gives them information on Greed Island. So they're going to learn that. Um, Greed Island was created by Nen users, and only Nen users can play it. When you start the game, you are actually physically transported into it. Um, Many people have attempted the game, but very few have come back. Um, They are also told something that is a little demoralizing to them, which is that the game is only a G-rank difficulty. Um, They don't go into the rankings of difficulty, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that the ranks go... uh, from G or maybe a little bit below G up to A, and then the best one is S, because that's how these things always go with Japanese media. 
Um, so G's pretty far down that list. Um, the guy's like, yeah, it's a comparatively easy find because all you need is money. There are copies, they're available, they're really expensive, but you don't need like particular skill, you don't have to track it down, you literally just need enough money to buy it. So even though Gon and Kilo are having a hard time getting it, it is admittedly an easy mission compared to some others. Um, but they're a little demoralized because this is their whole deal right now. Um, so they turn into uh, eBay flippers for a little while, and they start buying stuff on online forums and then selling it for more. Uh, and they make a decent profit after a day, but they're, I mean, they have to make like millions, so it's going to take them a long time if this is their only strategy. Yeah. So cut back to uh, Karapika. You thought we were done. We are never done with Karapika. Um, no, except for after thing this, this arc. arc. It's, it's, it's going to be. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, Dalzaline, which I didn't know was his name, but I guess he's a, uh, I don't know, something that you would get from a pharmacy. Um, he uh-huh. has decided to hire Dalzaline. all four of them. Side effects yeah. include death. Yeah. So um, we are going to find out that all four of these different Nin users got hired. They all collected some things, um, one of them being a skull with a horn from a uh-huh. magical creature, they say. Anyways, it's like a human is... skull with a horn, though. It's not like a unicorn skull. <laughs> it's, it's so weird. Anyways, um, so he's going to hire them, and then we find out that he's not actually hiring them for himself. He's hiring them for this girl um, to be her bodyguard um, while they go to this, and they find out that she is uh, somebody who possesses a very, very powerful nin ability. Well, they don't the really find this predict- out, but we do as the audience. Yeah. So, so her name is gets- Neon, and she's the daughter. <laughs> I know. She has bright hair, so I guess that's what that's about. So she is the daughter of one of the big, like, underworld crime bosses. And uh, I don't remember if they've really talked about it before now, but at least at this point in the show, they're going to make it explicitly clear that this underground auction is for, like, the criminal underground. Like, this is a big underground black market auction. So this is all going to be criminals and their bodyguards there. So Neon is kind of in this because she grew up as the daughter of one of the criminal kingpins. Um, she She's a little bit of a collector. She wants cute shit, I guess. So she wants to go to the auction, but he's worried for her safety. So hence the bodyguards. Yeah. They're also going to be looking for a couple of different items along the way um, for... Um, for the boss, and uh, one of them is going to be Kurta Eyes. That's not super important, other than it pisses Kurapika off, and then he really, yeah. really wants to go. Um, but the other thing that we're going to find out inside of this episode is that uh, the Phantom Troop is uh, going... They are uh, getting ready to go fucking rob um, this... Uh, this God, why can't I think of the word? Auction. They're wow. going to go rob the auction, and we get our first introduction to the Phantom Troop, and damn it, man, I love all of their different abilities for different reasons, but yeah. I have no member of the Phantom Troop that is not fucking dope. Like, I... I they're oh, cool. Man. They, they are... I gotta say, the first time I watched through it, they are not what I was expecting. I yeah, I know. Hunter x Hunter is a good show for anime fans because it plays into a lot of what you're gonna like about shonen anime. But it also subverts those things as often as not, if not more often than not. 
And like the Phantom Troop, they are they are all confident badasses, but they are not all like strong, silent, dangerous types. Like they are not the RN cars from Bleach, which is yeah. kind of what I was expecting. The yeah. RN cars in Bleach are, f- for the most part, super. I mean, really, every character in Bleach, for the most part, is really dark, strong, silent type with dangerous superpowers. The guys in the Phantom Troop, some of them have more specialized powers, but they just know how to use them really well. Um, We're also uh, not going to cover them right now. They basically are introduced visually. You're not going to find out what they all do for a while, and we'll cover them as we get to it. Yeah. Some of them have abilities that I'm like, oh, this is what, uh, this is like, this is something I would have expected. There is one guy that you'll see that has a bunch of uh, bandages on and some boxing gloves on, and you're never going to fucking predict what he does. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's out, it's left field completely. There's also yeah. like one girl, she looks like kind of like the librarian, the like nerdy librarian from Full Metal Alchemist. Hold um, on. She does not look like that. She looks like um she if she looks like a goth version of Velma from Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But she like conjures <laughs> a vacuum cleaner. Like that's yeah. not what you would expect for even though that absolutely can be a very anime power depending on how it's done. That's not what you would expect for like one of 13 of the most dangerous thieves in the world. But, uh, you know, it works out. It's just not what I was expecting when I first got there. And that's just going to continue to be true for Hunter x Hunter for the most part. Um, I yeah. think that's why I like the Greed Island arc the most is because it's the most, like, traditionally anime arc from my perspective. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I also cut you off earlier when you were going to talk about Neon's ability. Oh, yeah. So Neon's ability is that she can predict the future. Uh, she has this, uh, this ability called Ghost Rider, um, where she basically goes into a trance-like state and this weird ghost, uh, made of Nen appears at the end of her pen and it, like, will, uh, write the future. Her dad, who's a mob boss, has been using this to, like, subvert enemies and also make, like, business transactions. And he's been using her basically her entire life to amass power. So he, she is the most important thing in the world to him because not only is she his daughter, but she is also his fucking like golden goose. Uh, yeah. So like she he could not, not be taken away. Her. Yeah. So he really, really needs her to go off without a hitch, even though she's going to just, you know, be going to the most dangerous fucking place, place possible. Um, yeah. They, anyways, at, at some point around here, either in this episode or early in the next one, they're going to find out that the phantom troop is targeting the auction and the um, Neon's father is going to be very adamant that she does not go. She wants to go because she wants to be at the auction and bid on the things herself. Um, And so that's going to be a little bit of a point of contention between them, although not like hugely important to the larger story that we'll be following. Um, So speaking of which, the Phantom Truth has decided they're going to steal all the shit, by the way, that's what they tell each other. And you also, that's their mark is literally everything at the auction. Yeah. So we're going to find that out at the end of the next episode. The Phantom Troop doesn't really do anything else that's super important over the next couple of episodes, like ever this episode or the next episode, other than there's going to be a little bit of an arm wrestling thing that happens in the next one. But the, the only last thing that you need to know is that for sure, Hisoka is a member of the Phantom Troop. He arrives. Yeah. 
Um, he, he makes his peace with them and then they all find out that they're going to go try to steal some shit and it's fine if they kill people, if they get in the way, they get really excited about it. But let's get into the other story that happens, which is the main part of, uh, episode 42, um, defend X and X attack where Blake has written down it's September 1st, which is the day the OG gang is reuniting. (laughs) That's right. Uh, We're also going to get a dramatic cell phone purchase. I do not remember that happening. I just uh, watched these episodes and I've forgotten about this. Well, I mean, it's been two weeks now since I watched them. But uh, yeah, they decide that they need to get a cell phone. And Gon and Killua are looking at phones. um, And they they have like sort of smartphone kind of things that they were looking at. And then Killua suggests that they get a, a beetle phone, which is basically, it looks like a Beetleborg morpher from that old Beetleborgs kids show. Okay. Um, side note, Blake maybe watch Beetleborgs they, again. It, it's basically that just show. like a really stripped down cell phone, but it's indestructible so essentially. So it's good I for forgot, hunters, I forgot but because it's like so good for hunters, the it's monsters expensive. house apparently. And so Leorio like a- shows up to <laughs> affirm that this is a good purchasing decision, but that the dude that's selling it is selling it for too high, and he proceeds to haggle for them so that they can get the cell phone. You're not going to talk about Beetleborgs, <laughs> like um, you're not going to talk about Beetleborgs. I mean, Beetleborgs. Uh, it's It's, uh, so when Power Rangers first came to the United States, (laughs) this is related because Power Rangers is a Japanese IP. So, uh, Power Rangers is based off of Super Sentai, which is a Japanese (laughs) superhero show. If you don't know much more than that, I mean, it's Power Rangers, but in Japan, um, Haim Saban bought the rights to Power Rangers so that he could produce a children's show for much cheaper than usual because they only had to they they take footage from the Japanese series that aired a year or several years before and they intercut um, scenes that they shoot for the American version so they only have to pay the American actors for the scenes that they shoot so for a 20 minute episode um, they might have 15 or even only 10 of that that's new footage and be recycling the rest so they're only having to shoot those scenes that include American actors. So like every once in a while, you'll see like all the people that are being attacked by the monster are Japanese and the writing around them is Japanese and none of the American characters are showing up. And that's because they're reusing footage and they're not having to pay anybody for that. They just paid like a cheap flat rate for the rights to use the footage in America. Power Rangers was a crazy huge success and has pretty much continued to be, although not nearly as big as when it first came out. And when it first came out, they also tried it in a couple of different other IPs, um, one being <laughs> VR Troopers, which <sighs> VR Troopers is terrible and is interesting for actually being two different Super Sentai shows smashed together to make a three-man team. So it's actually one show about one hero and another show about a pair of heroes. And that's why just... the three of them almost never fight together because they're from <laughs> different shows. <laughs> And um, Beetleborgs is another one. And that, the American (laughs) version of that was actually two different Sentai shows. So the first half of the American Beetleborgs was one of them. And then they get a costume change halfway through. And that's because they started using footage from the next Beetleborg series. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so that's the cell phone that Gon gets. (laughs) 
So the explanation that Blake just gave you was like basically the exact same thing that he told me one night when I just came over to his apartment and he was watching Beetleborgs. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? It's and so he explained bad. It all does that not to hold me, up. And I was, like, I was like, definitely the best of the three. Yeah. And I, I was like, I was like, Blake. Okay, so I get why they're Beetleborgs, I guess, because they have robots. Ugh. But why are they hanging around with a mummy, a werewolf, and a oh, vampire? <laughs> I fucking forgot about that. So I don't know what the original <laughs> Japanese version of Beetleborgs is, but it can't be as... Well, that's not true. It can absolutely be as ridiculous or more ridiculous. It is Japan. But it's... yeah probably not as ridiculous as the american version it's like power rangers it's like the teenagers with attitude and there's like zordon in his little tube and they go to the command center where zordon and alpha 5 are and they get their missions and they go and fight the monster in beetleborgs they were trying to figure out i guess what the what they were going to do there so the one difference is that the heroes in beetleborgs are, are kids they're like early teens probably instead of like I mean, the I guess the Power Rangers characters are supposed to be middle to late teens, but the actors are definitely in their late teens and early 20s. But, like, the Beetleborgs kids are actual children. And they get their powers by going to a, an actual haunted house. And there's, like, a like a ghost there and other, like, there's, like, there's a, a werewolf a and a ghost mummy there. and other, like, old Universal-style monsters it's ridiculous and they play it as like this really really campy goofy it's honestly it's why beetleborgs is, does not hold up because it's trying to be a really campy kids show whereas like power rangers is campy but it's not trying to be campy all the time so it no. holds up a little no, bulk bit and skull are super super normal great, people power rangers is better because it is a, it takes itself a little more seriously sometimes, yeah. whereas Beetleborgs is just a hot fucking mess of ridiculous <laughs> 90s kids cartoon camp. If you would right. like to see some of that, you could do almost <laughs> no better than Beetleborgs. So Anyways, check that out if that is your guilty pleasure. After that Beetleborgs rant, um, we are going to have a couple of uh, not super important things that happen in the rest of this episode. Um, one of them is that there's a bunch of uh, just... Just great television where uh, Gon is beating people by arm wrestling them, and Leorio's just like, you could win this diamond ring if you just defeat this poor helpless child. And I was yeah. just like, nah, you've done this thing before. Yeah, um, they're sharking the people. There's also a really funny moment a little bit earlier than this where they ask Leorio if he's learned Nen, and he says yes, and they're like, what is it? And he describes like one aspect of it, but not the whole thing. And they're like, ah, oh, you, you only know part of it. And then Killua thinks to himself that once Leorio learns Nen, he's probably going to end up being an enhancer too, because he's simple and stupid. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. So the, the only other thing that happens that's kind of important is that one of the Phantom Troop members, uh, the girl, uh, Goth Velma, uh, she is going to arm wrestle with Gon and she expresses her nin uh, while she's, like, arm-wrestling with Gon, and Gon barely defeats her. And she's like, dang, I wanted that uh, diamond ring. She, like, tells the rest of the Phantom Troop members that are with her. And they're they're like, why didn't you just use your left hand? It's your strong hand. And she was like, well, he gave me his right hand, so I just gave my right hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's um, very simple. 
The last important bit from this episode is we're going to have some characterization between Melody and Karapika, who are yeah. going to become... They're going to either become friends or at least they're going to gain a respect for each other as co-workers. Yeah. Um, so they are both on watch as the auction is starting. And Melody asks Karapika why he gets so tense around red eyes. And he confesses to her that he is a member of the Kurta clan. Um, and he actually is ready to kill Melody if she is going to spill this to anybody else. Um, she assures him that she would not do that and that she could tell that Kurapika was going to kill her if she had given him a different answer. But also basically that Kurapika is a good guy because he was sort of resigning himself to it rather than like bristling for it. So like yeah. he didn't want to kill her and she could tell that. So the she's other cool thing, the other thing that you find out is that Melody's backstory is tragic and also badass. Um, yeah, so totally. Melody Melody was uh, obsessed with music, and she had a good friend of hers. Um, and they were trying to find this like dirge. I can't remember the name of it, um, but it it basically uh, once you hear it played, your body is just completely destroyed. You're like burned. And your like your life force is sucked out, and that happened to her friend, and also like half to her body. So she like was weirdly aged, and her right arm was like completely shriveled from just hearing it once. Like yeah, it, or it's like why even her face half is deformed. It. It's why she's yeah. bald on top. Like yeah, she apparently used to be like a stunning beauty until she mm -hmm. heard this. Yeah, um, and her whole life thing is like number one. I have to destroy this uh, music so nobody else is destroyed by it. And number two, I'll gain my life back again. Yeah. And she also, she says, uh, she has a cool line where she says that she took the job as um, a bodyguard at this auction because she hoped that one devil would know the others. And that's pretty baller. Yeah. Anyways, and that's it. This episode's basically over. Um, so uh, we are going to uh, be back in just a little bit after the credits with uh, what is going to be our next episode. Yeah, and this is kind of a big reveal because it's the episode taking place of uh, Cowboy Bebop. So you definitely want to stick around for that. Here we go. Yeah. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level five sound wizard. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon members get exclusive member content and unlock group perks. Follow us on Twitter at BNS Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. And remember, new episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Fully coolie, fully coolie, fully coolie, fully coolie. Breaks the fourth wall. Steps into another manga panel. Ah, oh, it's going to be fucking great times, you guys.